Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Check one. Check, check, check. Check, 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 check. Close. We need a mixer. There we go. Okay. All right, here we go. Oh, that was recording. Yep. Yikes. Uh, you guys, this is so funny. Wendy's back. She's back on the intro here. Hi, canolers, friends <laughs> of the show. You listened last week, right? Did you hear I, how I said I was going to hold you hostage or something like that? Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> what? <laughs> Your life is so full. You can't remember. I, there's a lot in my brain. It's true. All right, so we're recording this a few days before we release it on Monday, but we just had our first Brave Maker Vision launch last night at the Sequoia Campus Mosaic Cafe. What'd you think, So babe? good. There were um, boxes of cannoli there. <laughs> there was biscotti. Oh, La Biscotteria. They came through. And a great crowd. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was a, a diverse crowd from different mm-hmm. walks of life, from different um, connections with you. And... It was really good. Mm-hmm. I want people to be able to experience it. So yeah. make sure you come to the second one. If you weren't able to come last night, the next one is going to be Saturday the 29th. And same That's place. September What's the 2018. September 2018, the 29th, 233 Topaz Avenue, Topaz Street. Topaz Street. All of it's on the Facebook group. So come check it out. 7 p.m. Saturday, 9 Facebook group. The Holy Cannoli face. Let's just be clear. Oh, sorry. So in case you're listening to this like in Columbus, Ohio. Right. uh, Or Maui or something like that. Or doesn't your mom's cousin in Sweden listen to this too? Oh, does she? Yeah. I don't know. Because your mom was on episode three, right? And she commented, I listened to it from Sweden or something. Oh, (laughs) we're international here. (laughs) We are. Awesome. So don't forget to shout out on the page if you're listening where are you from? Where are you listening? That would be fun. Uh, if you are subscribed, please tweet us and hashtag Holy Cannoli Podcast from your location. Can you like geotag us or something like that so we could know? That would be cool because it'd be fun to see where all of the listeners are growing. So we're almost, we're I think a little over 450 listeners and I keep going back to our first podcast so we can see who's listening, not who, how many people are listening. And it shows us from all over which platforms, whether you're Android or iOS, IRS, iOS, or listening from your laptop, uh, it shows that we've got 450-something listens to podcast number one. But because people also pick and choose, like the Matt Nightingale podcast, for instance, the first part of his podcast is almost at 700 listens or something like that. Sweet. Can you tell what's the like most common platform? I'm just curious. What do uh, most people listen to? I could through. I could tell you right now. I think it's on their iPhones. It's iOS on their iPhones. Okay. Why are you curiously engineering? I don't know because I I only think of like two ways to listen to a <laughs> podcast. So the fact that there's a lot, I'm like, what do people? What do I not know? What are the formats? I yeah. Guess? Well, I mean, there's the different apps, right? There's 
Anchor is what I use to publish it, but it can okay, go to. I've never heard of it. <laughs> can go to. <laughs> shh, don't say that. It can go to iTunes on your desktop, but then there's apps like Overcast or Spotify or Pocket Cast or Stitcher or Google or listening. Like, yeah, so I Android listeners are our smallest listen. I'm looking up it right now. Okay. Okay. iOS is our largest listen. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, that's probably what I use. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, whatever you're listening on, thank you. Uh, we're on Spotify. It's super fun. So uh, you can share it. Share it with your friends. But if you go, I don't know um, how to share it the best, you can just share the link. It's Anchor. Uh, the Anchor link has all of the podcast apps in one location. So if you send that link to somebody, then they can see where their podcast app is and they can click on it and they can start listening, subscribing. And please, if you're on the iTunes app, it actually helps to write a review and share your thoughts because that gets us to the top of the podcast grouping and people can start listening who don't know us personally. Cool. And for the people who do know us personally, I'm going to shout out to uh, Amy Valencia, who <laughs> maybe this is like, um, this is outing myself, actually. <laughs> but, Don't say where you ran it. Why not? Because <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got to do it. It's just too funny because it's outing me because I'm a pizza snob, but we get Little Caesars pizza. <laughs> Which is kind of embarrassing, but I don't mind it. I'll be honest. I don't mind Little Caesars Pizza. I mind it. My wife minds it. it. <laughs> it's just But cheap. our kids will eat it. That's right. When you're on a budge, you do it. <laughs> but I would prefer more expensive pizza like Lucia's Pizza in Redwood City or Vesta. Oh, my gosh. Or if I was in Chicago, Lou Malnati's or Giordano's or whatever. So don't judge me, Chicago family, okay? Don't judge me, Chicago pizza people, for eating Little Caesars because I know you are. What's well, okay, judge me. I'm judging myself. Yeah. It is. We it, all are. You can't eat it's it. Fine. Like after five minutes, it's a piece of cardboard. Anyways, Amy Valencia, a friend of ours, said she was she listens to the podcast and she felt like she was trolling us because if you know the podcast people in real life, it seems kind of weird. Like you're in their life, which we don't mind. Troll us. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> troll us all you want, Amy Valencia and anybody else. Okay. Uh, anything else we need to shout out before we jump into? Oh, let's tell them who the guest is. Oh yeah. So Gabe Lamelli mm-hmm. is your friend from, I mean, long ago, right? Yeah, I mean, like, before we were married or right when we were married, I think, 2004, yeah. I think. So, yeah, about 14-ish years. Yeah. yeah, cool. So he sits down with you. He shares his story. Um, just really cool to hear how kind of a an important incident in his life changed the trajectory of his life. Mm-hmm. And maybe in some ways we can relate to how your life doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. And there's some major changes that happen and how God can redeem that. And, um, yeah, make a beautiful story out of it. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite people that, I mean, I love hanging out with him. I don't get enough time with him, Gabe. So I'm just telling you, I'm just, Shouting that out, Gabe. I hung out with him for lunch this week, and he's just such a a wanted dude. He's in demand now. He works at LinkedIn, <laughs> and he's got his own company, so he's doing a lot of stuff. And every time I come, I leave a, a conversation or hang time with him, I always feel like he's rubbed off on me. So like I kind of take up his mannerisms or his way of talking. <laughs> I can tell when you're on the phone with him because I'm like, why are you sounding like him? You sat, you're talking. Like him as you talk to him. It's so funny. It's called code switching, right, Gabe? You'll hear about Gabe talk about that in the podcast. What is code switching? I think I code switch when I'm with Gabe. 
All right, with uh, no further delay, Gabe Lamelli, everyone. Episode 17. Enjoy. You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. All right. Hey, friends, strangers, and podcast addicts. You are listening to the podcast of Tony Gapastone called Holy Cannoli. And I have a friend, a good friend on the podcast today, who I just told him the name of the podcast, and with that comes a selection of cannoli chips. So, Gabe Lomelli, you're on the podcast today. Take your pick. You want cookies and cream or cinnamon and sugar cannoli chips? Uh, this is a tough choice, but uh, for some reason, I feel cookies and cream is calling to me. Cookies right and now. cream are Thanks yours. Sir. Wish I had some latte to serve with you, but you know, that's how we roll here. Uh, this is low budget production. This is written and produced and directed by me. Also produced by my wife. She's been helping guide this. She said you definitely need to be on the pod. Is that good or what? Mm. Oh, you should see Gabe's face right now, you guys. He's just <laughs> enjoying these things. Yeah, this is great. All right. So, Gabe, this podcast is all about telling stories and talking about life's strangeness and sacredness. So, I thought you'd be awesome because I know you are a good storyteller. You got good stories. You got a good life you're living. Mm-hmm. So, let's, uh, let's dig in a little bit. Um, what do you want to say about yourself First of all, give us a little little Twitter bio, and then we'll go you know, do a deep dive on how we met and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, but real quick, did you say that your wife said I need to be on here? Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? Well, we were uh, brainstorming like who we should have on. She's like, oh, yeah, you definitely have to have Gabe on there. Like, yeah. <laughs> and Ivan, right? So I, got, I already did one with Ivan. Oh, nice. Because nice. you, you guys, we go back to like 2000, I think, four or five or six, something somewhere yeah. around there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. we get there, give us your bio. My bio. Um, well, I'm from Stockton, California. Stockton, well, whoop. That's right. And um, I have a lot of experience in lecturing and uh, professional development and also uh, media, of course. I'm super into uh, video production. That's online. why I like you. Yeah, yeah. And um, storytelling, man. It's been about my my whole life has has, uh, has some sort of storytelling element in it in anything that I do whether my education or professional career or whatnot or even things that I do on the side for fun uh, including this right here so well it's funny you said lecturing because most people don't hear the word lecture and go ooh I'm so excited about lecturing <laughs> but you have an interesting journey to why you would even use that word and it goes to a very prominent university here in the Bay Area but before we name that prominent university Give me, give us the how you got there, which includes how you got where you are today. But you had a very divergent path that led to you being the storyteller, media maker, producer, hustler, shaker, mover, all that kind of stuff. Growing up in Stockton, start there. Sure. So uh, I grew up in Stockton, California. And for those of you who haven't heard about Stockton, we've made a couple lists. <laughs> uh, we've been on the Forbes, a uh, couple Forbes lists, matter of fact, top 10. Uh, most miserable cities to live in the United <laughs> States, uh, top 10 highest crime rates per capita. And you know, the funny thing is, I didn't know any of that until I left Stockton. All right, so um, you were oblivious to that growing obli- up in it. I was oblivious, and they, yeah. they call that uh, it reminds me of a story of uh, two fish in the water. There's two fish, two young fish swimming in the water, in the water. And as they're swimming, a, a much older fish passes by and he says, What's up, fellas? How's the water today? And then they keep going. And then the two fish look at each other. One of them looks at him and says, hey, 
what the hell is water? <laughs> so, so in Stockton, I was definitely in the water. Yeah. Um, I thought everywhere, uh, I thought all of California was like Stockton. I thought it was crazy like that, but obviously it wasn't. Anyway, first in my um, family to go to college, I went to community college in Stockton, and then I transferred to San Jose State University, where I got to, um, I got to actually study psychology and social science. And then from there, I thought I was going to go into one profession, but I had a little bit of trouble with the law, so I had to take a, a different position, a different route. So I actually ended up working at the Redwood City Boys and Girls Club. Oh, wait, let's back up. What did you want to do, and what trouble did you get uh, okay. into? Let's not pass over that good stuff. Sure, sure. I just didn't. Holy cannoli, that's some good stuff right there. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know how deep you wanted me to get to. Get some, right. get some deepness. All right. So I wanted to be a youth correctional counselor, but I had a criminal record because I had uh, gone to. J I was arrested for having a butterfly knife on me uh, in Salinas. So when they took, I had to go to jail for a little bit. Uh, not too long. I still got out in time to finish my midterms and all that. But when I got out, um, I just put it behind me and didn't think much of it. And it wasn't until a year later. But wait, that butterfly story is so unique too. Because it wasn't like you just carried this butterfly knife around all the time hoping to stab somebody. Yeah. Tell that thing, dude. Come on. Okay, I know you're going to edit this right here. But you want me to get in deep about my life right here? Yeah, go, go for it, oh, man. Okay, I thought we were trying to get to where you're trying to take me over here. <laughs> we got some time, dude. Oh, it's not okay. a 15-minute oh, podcast. Okay, okay, Come okay. on. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. All right. <laughs> Let me back it back up. There. Back up. <laughs> so Stockton, California. Uh, I was born. I wasn't born there, but I was raised there, and I didn't leave until I was 20 years old. Now the thing in Stockton is you don't grow up in Stockton uh, without picking up a few things from the environment that you're from. So uh, I mentioned that it was uh, known for high crime rate. So along with that, like you, you learn survival methods uh, at a very young age. How to talk to people, what to say, what not to say, how to defend yourself, how to act brave when you're afraid, right? Even though if you're really scared, how to conduct yourself and whatnot. Uh, the best way I could describe it is the other day I was watching uh, the History Channel or something like that, or A&E, and they had a show called Lockup. And... Um, the inmates are talking about some of the rules in, in prison or an inmate uh, or, or the uh, some of the rules in, in prisons. <clears throat> the inmates were talking about that. And they were saying they were saying things like, oh, you know, don't ever say the B word to anybody, you know, never disrespect anybody. You know, when you're at the yard, when they, you're in the yard, you got to stay in this corner, that corner, yada, yada. And I was watching this with my little brothers. I was like, what? We learned that in kindergarten, bro. How's this, how's this prison? How's this? Yeah. How's this prison rules? That is awesome. We're dude. like prison rules. You mean basic elementary? This was on a poster in my kindergarten yeah, classroom. Yeah. This is an orientation. <laughs> so, so anyway, you know, we, we, get, we, we learned that growing up. There's always danger. You always had to keep your head on a swivel. As you're going through your daily life, you know, going to school, going to church, uh, going out uh, with the friends and the fam, anywhere you wanted to go, like you always had to be ready for something to happen. And that was ingrained in me. Um, when you say ready, like we could possibly be jumped, there could be a shoot, like someone yeah, could shoot. Yeah, yeah. I've been to plenty of uh, house parties where they're shooting uh, mm -hmm. guns. You know yeah. I mean, I've seen stabbings, I've seen all sorts of stuff, man. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think much of it because I thought. All of California was like that. The only reason mm -hmm. I thought that was because at that time, the rap music at that time, they were describing the exact things that are happening in, mm -hmm. in, uh, in Stockton. So mm -hmm. like uh, 
rappers like Dr. Dre, Tupac, Snoop, they're Ice Cube. They're all talking about the things that we saw all the time. Mm-hmm. So we thought the, the whole state was. That's like funny because as you were describing Stockton, I was thinking a lot about Compton or straight out of Compton from yeah. what I know about yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Now, of course, there's different pockets there. Sure. Uh, I grew up in a pocket where it was re- it was nicer, much nicer compared to like the South Side or to um, the East Side. Um, but that didn't that didn't mean that we didn't you know we didn't run into all these sorts of issues and problems like all the time or imminent danger. So would you say you had to live more on the offense then, or were you on the defense? So the the defense that we had was being offensive, if that uh-huh. makes sense, being okay. on the offense. Um, but <clears throat> Um, we, we were trying to, we were trying to, uh, just survive, you know, and on top of, on top of trying to survive, you learn how to maneuver. And one thing that I do, uh, attribute or credit Stockton for my upbringing in Stockton was it helped me, uh, code switch, learn the art of code switching. So it helped me learn how to speak to certain people. It helped me learn how to speak to certain people, what to say, what not to say, how to develop a language within a language. What I mean by that is. The way you speak to a police officer isn't the same way that you would speak to your mother or mm-hmm. to your friends or mm-hmm. to a judge or to the store clerk or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear things. People say, I, sure, I show the same respect to the president as I would to the you know, custodian. Well, m- maybe, but probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to code switch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I love that word, by the way. I think yeah. you gave me that word. Yeah. <laughs> Back to my wife. She will always say it when I hang out with you. When yeah. I go home, she will say something like, I can tell you've been hanging out with Gabe today <laughs> because you have a very strong way of carrying yourself and the way you talk. It, it's fun and it's strong and it's very like, you, which yeah. I think is really I, cool. I appreciate that. You know, I use that, I use that to my advantage big, yeah. big time. Like before, uh, you know, I was an unconscious company. Like, I was good street, at street. Does that mean street smart? What does that mean? Unconscious competent means I was good at something, but I didn't know I you was good know. at it. Okay. So I didn't know I was good at speaking. I didn't know I was good at yeah. talking to people. I didn't know I was good at relating to different people. Mm-hmm. But now in my my uh, you know later years, <laughs> I'm a conscious competent. I'm, I've identified that as a strength, as a skill, and I'm like now I could get better, and I could also teach it too. So. And I and I when I really look at it, like why am I good at that? And then I take that back to Stockton. California mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah that's why that's why I learned it and that actually helps me in business deals right now because um, I'm like hey I don't try to hide or mask like my, the way I speak or the flow that comes out or the cadence or the language that I use it's very uh, vulnerable in a way maybe authentic but it's also vulnerable and vulnerability establishes immediate rapport yeah people feel like they can trust immediate someone who's rapport. honest yeah. and transparent yeah. like that yeah. yeah and when we get into a little later I got a couple like degrees that help solidify Mm -hmm. solidify that credibility on my Mm -hmm. end so I feel I could speak however I'd Mm -hmm. like. So when you were 20, you got out of Stockton Mm -hmm. and went right to San Jose State. First person to go to college from your family, from a Latino family. Talk about that. Yeah, so I was the first person um, in my family. I'm the the eldest, and my mom, when I was like 12 years old, she sat me down. She's like, hey, we have to figure out how to get you to to college. She's like, I don't know how you're going to do it, how we're going to do it, but you have to figure it out. Um, that's what I, I expect from you as my son. You got two little brothers, and you got a little sister uh, on the way, and you have to be the example. So you got to go out there and get, you know, get a college education. So I did. It felt like I had a blindfold on throughout the whole pathway, but we got it going on. You know, uh, I still had a lot of that Stockton mentality with me, so I went to community college with that same mentality, and I was on academic probation for the first semester because I had developed all these bad habits. You know, I was always a bright kid. 
but I was always, uh, you know, I was also like a little troublemaker, kind of like a little knucklehead. Mm-hmm. And um, I those those bad habits of skipping class and doing all this, I thought I could just, in high school, I would just ace courses. I will just ace the test. You were good at the test, but not doing the homework up into the test. Exactly. Or, ah. or even going to class. Ah. Yeah. So I would show up and I would, you know, turn in the best essays and uh-huh. ace everything. And teachers always thought I was cheating and whatever, but it was fine. So that carried over into community college, and I got on academic probation on one semester. They were about to kick me out of community college. Stockton Community College? Stockton Community College. Delta Community College. Mm -hmm. Then the next semester, man, that was a wake-up call for me. So the next semester, I turned it all around, and I was on the dean's list. (laughs) Anyway, I ended up transferring to San Jose State University, and when I got there, whoo, I finally felt like I got... Um, I was I was with my tribe. You got your wings to fly. I was with my tribe because yeah. that's the first time I ever met students uh, that would prioritize homework or book report or their studies or something over going out to parties and doing all this crazy stuff in college. And you were into that. That was something you I wanted. I was into that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, in Stockton, I was the only one that, I mean, my friends still still tell stories about like, Oh yeah, we, we remember we would have to wait for you to pick you up so that you can finish your homework or something, and then we'd pick you up. But you wouldn't leave the house unless you had your your homework finished doing that. And they said we always knew you were gonna do something big, man. Because I remember one time we were at a house party and we we're like, "Yo, where's Gabe at?" I was downstairs by the closet doing my homework, finishing up homework, and then I was gonna go and join the party at a house party. I was like, "I don't even remember that, man." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> so anyway, I went there, and then I still had some of that Stockton hood mentality with me, and I got into trouble uh, in uh, uh, Salinas. Uh, we went to a house party out there for a college party, and then I just happened to have this uh, butterfly knife on me that a fraternity brother uh, gave me because I joined a fraternity at San Jose State, and I had it on me. A fight breaks out, a brawl breaks out. At the house party. At the house party. Police show up. Everyone's scattering like cockroaches. <laughs> I was in the clear, too. I was in the clear, and we were already walking like two blocks away and everything. I'm there with my girlfriend at the time. Cops keep circling, looking for people, and... You know, I think about this night often because it really changed the course of my of my life. There's like three points in my life that I could identify saying, well, that was, that was a major event that changed the course of my life. And this is one of them right here. The cop passes by slowly. And as he's, uh, you can see that he's looking for something. We're in a cul-de-sac. We're walking to my girlfriend's house. Oh, she lived there in Salinas. She lives in, in Monterey, which oh. is right next to it. Okay. So we, I'm 50 feet from... From getting, you know, I'm in the, you know, being green light, oh. in the clear, safety, everything. 50 feet away from it. The cop comes back around and he stops in his car while he's, uh, while we're walking. He rolls his window down. And from his window, he says, hey, you guys looking for somebody? Now, I'd like to pause right there. <laughs> because it could have been. I want to pause right there because this changes everything. A normal person mm. <laughs> would have just said, no, sir, or yeah. no officer, no officer, yeah. or could have said nothing at all. Mm-hmm. He just kept walking. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this guy says, hey, you guys looking for someone? And then I look at him, I say, no, are you? <laughs> uh, I can't tell you why I said that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it could be maybe I was just a punk the kid. The pride came out of you. You maybe wanted to put him in his pride. place. Maybe it was pride thing. Maybe it was a, a Stockton thing. Maybe it was maybe somewhere deep down on a deeper level. He, I heard, I heard him saying, 
what are you doing out here? You don't belong you don't out belong here on a college here. campus. Yeah, sure. Could have been anything. Was it the college campus? It was considered college campus because oh, the house was uh, near near enough campus that that's where like okay. student housing still. And was it a campus police officer or a Salinas police officer? Uh, I'm not sure, but I think okay. they belong to the same district. They do, okay. So when I said that, I said he says, are you looking for someone? And I said, no, are you? Uh-huh. He says, now I am. Oh, boy. Puts the car in park, pops out. I'm still, in my mind, nothing's registering, anything's wrong. I'm like, he's not going to find nothing. I mean, I didn't do anything, right? Even though I was just in a brawl. I was like, he can't prove that. So as far as I know. So anyway, he, I didn't know this, but you can, he asked for my ID, and my wallet had fallen out during this little brawl. Ooh. So I said, no, I don't have it on me. So it turns out that if you don't have your ID, a police officer can frisk you, do whatever you want. Well, pretty much like he could take wow. you, he could do anything. He could arrest you, he could take because you don't have an ID. So they could detain you for me. So he frisks me. As he's frisking me, he asks, he says, do you have anything sharp or anything that I poke myself with? And my heart sank right there because right remembered. there I remembered in my back left pocket, I have a butterfly knife. Butterfly knife. Is a butterfly knife like a switchblade knife? What's it a butter- is. Yeah. It's okay. the one that flies open and you can like people swirl uh, it around okay. and they do they twirl it and do all this yeah. crazy stuff with it and it looks like a butterfly when you're flashing okay. it's super okay. intimidating super cool but they're also super illegal here in california wow so uh he finds it and i thought i still thought i was in the clear because i told him about it you told him you had the knife i said hey back left pocket i have a butterfly he pulls it out and he's like yep that's illegal Whoa. Cuff me, put me in the back of the car. And your girlfriend's right there with girlfriend's you? Right she... there crying, taking off, and then they, I get taken to, to jail. And then I'm so upset. I am so upset that I refuse to speak to them. I refuse to speak to any officer or anything. So it turns out that I had never been to jail before. I didn't right. know that you're, as soon as you get there, you give me your information, you give everything, it's a booking procedure, and then they put you in. The sooner you do that, the faster you get out. Well, I refused to, to speak to anybody. They would ask me questions. I wouldn't say anything. So they went and put me like in this little like crazy cell, like a, a like cell a solitary like, or something, like a solitary cell for like people who are psychotic or something like that. I still remember it. Um, it was probably like the size of a, a small tiny closet, mm-hmm. bright lights, no wind, little tiny window at the very top of the door so that the guards could look in on you. the The walls were squishy. Like, they weren't real walls. So if you were going to bang your head against it, yeah, you wouldn't hurt it. You can't hurt yourself. Yeah. And then in the middle of the floor in the room, there was a little tiny square, like a little drain. And that's so you can so go to the restroom or do Ooh. your business. Ooh. And I spent, I don't know how many hours I spent in there. More than a day, though. Yeah. What? They were upset. <laughs> so how long were you in there? So then you went into the, a normal cell? And then they put me into, like, this big old tank. Like a drunk tank, I guess. I'm not sure. A drunk tank? They call it a drunk tank for like sometimes like when people get drunk and they're too drunk to be in public. They didn't really commit any really like... Were people like throwing softballs at yeah. a target or something? Yeah, trying to something. dunk you in the water? Yeah. All I can yeah. think of was those carnival dunk tank things. Oh, oh no, no. A drunk tank. I know. Oh, 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 oh yeah. No, nah, no. Nah. I would have... Like, much... all right, step right up, everyone. Uh, Throw a softball. Yeah. I would have much rather been in that at that point. <laughs> But this is hey, this place was grimy. Oh, dude, man. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's gonna make the cut, but I'll tell you about it. It was it was grimy. So think of think of the space of like a small kitchen, mm-hmm. all concrete. One toilet 
on the side. No door. Like no something door you see in a movie. Real right. dirty. No no exactly. top to the toilet type all of thing. All concrete. All yeah. concrete. And about like 15 guys in there. Oh, boy. Okay. No ventilation. None of that. Bad breath. Oh. Farts. Everything like that. Dude, there's this... <laughs> man, I still remember. I sat in there and like I'm like, what am I doing here? Right? Like, this is not a place for me, man. I, I got greatness called on my life. I already know this. What am I doing here? Yeah. Right? And this guy comes in. And then, you know, we're just sitting there, and then there's, like, one mysterious guy in the corner that's been asleep the entire time since I've been there, and no one knows anything about him. This other guy's tripping out, and then as, and as, as the time goes by, more and more people are being tossed in there. So, like, all these new characters, you never, you can't, you know, you can't get comfortable, really, because you don't know what's happening. Some sure. of these guys are really dangerous, too, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, it was just a long hour, and then or long hours that were going by. And then all of a sudden, I look up. This guy's take, uh, you know, going number two in the corner. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And like, that was the saddest thing I ever seen, because he was just sitting there, and then he was just like looking, like trying not to make eye contact with anybody, just killing it, man. I'm like, dude. And then he was like, hey, uh, he, he asked, he's like, papel, papel? Cause, cause oh he was my like, gosh, there's no toilet paper? He didn't know he didn't know how to speak English, first oh. of all. And then he was asking for toilet paper. Was there any? There was. Okay. But it was being used as a pillow by the guy that was oh, asleep in the corner. Oh, come on, And he dude. was the one with the most tattoos and the biggest muscles. <laughs> and nobody was going to ask oh, him, bro. Oh, not. I'm not going to ask him. Oh, dude. I ain't going to, hey, so I, I, don't even, I don't remember what happened, but Holy anyway, God. I couldn't get over the, <laughs> I couldn't get well, out of there fast, fast uh, enough. Anyway, so how man, long were you in jail? Must have been like a week or so. A week, maybe for like that five, maybe like butterfly five, night. Five to seven days, five to seven days. Because I called my parents from the house. Yeah, what'd they say? Uh, well, I did, couldn't get through the first couple times because my dad was answering, and my dad is a sergeant. Was a sergeant at San Quentin Prison. Oh, whoa! So he knew exactly what the deal was. So when the call came in. You know, saying like, hey, you got to collect call from so-and-so county jail, yada, yada. He's like, like nope. They're like, do you accept the charges? Nope. <laughs> and he knew it was you and he wanted yeah, you to suffer. I had to say my name, yeah. So finally, like, oh. I tried again, like, in another hour or so. And I finally get through my mom. And she's like, oh, she was upset, <laughs> bro. She was upset. Oh. Like, nothing was registering her registering for her she was like why are they calling me from the jail i'm like yo like, i got i got you know i had this butterfly butterfly knife this is she's like no why are they calling me from the jail i'm like well i'm in jail because this is she's like no why are they you know i still remember these conversations man like, oh my god uh, 20 years in stockton where you think supposedly the way you described it it could have happened there but no it happens when you're in college that's right. crazy and i had just adopted this new identity yeah of like, hey, I'm a college student now. Yeah. I'm not this hood, whatever, mm -hmm. from Stockton. I'm from, I'm I'm a college student. I belong on campus. You know, it was a big change for me. And then, boom, I end up right in jail. And not only that, but I was mostly, I was ashamed. Mm -hmm. I was ashamed that I let my parents down, let my siblings down, and let myself down, really. I'm like, what, what am I doing here? You mm -hmm. know, I'm regressing. That's not what I'm about. And, you know, I thought, you know, I got to let this these childish habits go. You know, so... So did someone pay your bail? How'd you get out? And what happened next? Yeah, so my mom paid the bail. <laughs> How much? And she told me, I think, I believe it was like $1,500 or $2,000 mm -hmm. around there. Mm -hmm. um, 
And she told me later on that my dad did want to leave me in there, but she said, no, he's my son and we're going to get him out. So I'm so thankful. You know, I'm actually so grateful that I said, you know, one day uh, I'm going to I'm going to pay them back. I don't know how, but uh -huh. I will. Uh, about two years ago at Christmas, I uh, they opened up their gift and I bought them a two thousand dollar cruise to Alaska. Oh, right on, dude. And I told them, I said, "Hey, just so you know, <laughs> restitution. Do you remember when you guys bailed me out? I was like, yeah, I put a little something extra for mom in there too, <laughs> not you, pops. You wanted to keep me up in there. You know what I'm so it was probably one of the best days of my life was uh, paying them back. That's but yeah, cool. anyway, you know, I talk about it right now, but it was very painful True. during that time. My girlfriend was mad at me. Uh, she was upset with me. Uh, I felt upset and ashamed within myself. And not only that, but the true consequences of it, I didn't even know were reality until later on. Changed the, the course of your future. Yeah, next year, next, uh, the following year, I graduated from San Jose State. And back then, when you applied to the state, because I was applying to be a youth correctional counselor, I submitted all my applications and all that good stuff. And... <clears throat> um, it seemed like they all came back right around graduation time, like the responses. So the emails, the letters, uh, the phone calls, they all came back and said, hey, thank you for your application. You're a strong candidate, uh, but we're sorry to inform you that you're uh, due to your criminal record, to your uh, weapons violation, you're automatically disqualified from our uh our position, our role. And you know what? That was shattering for me because... So it was a weapons violation. That was what was on your record Weapons now. violation. Gosh. And that could be any quote-unquote weapon, right? Yeah. They didn't know it was a butterfly knife. Employers don't, don't oh, care. That's yeah. so tough. And uh, so I had to deal with that. And then during that time, man, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who, who was my high school sweetheart and I thought I was going to marry, marry her, I found out that she wasn't, uh, she wasn't being loyal. She wasn't being faithful. Mm -hmm. And that that just like blindsided me, you know, because I had felt uh, sadness before, depression before. I felt betrayal, you know. I had I've lost fr uh, close friends who were murdered in Stockton. I had, uh, uh, you know, I felt sadness before. Um, I've seen, you know, uh, deaths of, of loved ones. Like I was holding my grandfather's hand in the hospital when he passed away, and you know, I thought I had known pain, but when this happened um, with my girlfriend at the time. Like this was a, a brand new uh, pain that I had never even known existed mm -hmm. in, on this world. I didn't know that that you can hurt that much from one situation. It was a true broken heart, and it was broken to the point where I could feel it physically. Physically, I could feel that. I could feel it emotionally, spiritually. I could feel all of that. You know, like like uh, uh, I can imagine like what my soul looks like or my spirit and I could see it bruised and wounded you know I could feel it in my chest I could feel all that <clears throat> and that was the scariest time of my life because I was you know I had a criminal record I was broke I couldn't get a job and I was broken hearted on top of all that it was the darkest place in my entire life and uh, naturally man um, I, th I think that even if I wasn't a Christian and raised a Christian, I think that I would have still turned to God during that time. Because in that place, it seems like it's a lonely place, and the only other being or entity that you can even sense it would be God or the Creator. So I would say that's when I ran directly to God. And I remember during that time, I said, you know, I tried to do things my way, and I was arrogant, and I was childish, and, and you know, uh, I was prideful. And I know that the things I did, I don't know which ones I deserved to uh, to go through, but 
I know that this is what I've ended up with and I've made a, me I've made a mess of everything. So I remember saying, you know, I just give it all to you. I don't really know what to do. I don't know the next steps. I don't know. I have no clue. I have nothing left in me. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm young. I have no wisdom. I have no, you know, I've made mistakes that are, you know, uh, enslaving me right mm -hmm. now. It got me in shackles. I don't know what to do. It sounds like you're describing a process of prayer. Are you, is this kind of like a one time you're on your knees, quote unquote, and you're mm -hmm. talking to God, praying? Are you just having these dialogues in your head as you go about your day? Are you yes. sobbing on the floor? Are you in a Sunday morning gathering in a church building? Mm -hmm. All the above? Uh, it's definitely all the above. I remember doing all those, uh, praying, uh, being on my knees, being in the backyard, uh, crying. I remember uh, I was working at the, I was still, uh, that's when I got hired at the Boys and Girls Club. I took an after-school job, uh, a part-time job, you know, a little after-school tutor that was like part-time, barely paying anything, but this is the only job I could get and support myself because I couldn't move back to Stockton, you know. Because my family, like, if you're, if you're, you don't come, once you leave the house, you don't come back on so bad you, terms. You burn that bridge, yeah. it's time to go out yeah. and move. No, like, they're, the they're still super supportive of me, but they're like, nah, coming back over here, it, that's, not, that's not an option because yeah. you messed up, because you can't get a job, because you got uh -huh. a criminal record. That's not going to that's not how it's going to work. Uh -huh. So I had to stay over there. But anyway, I remember, like, during that whole time, you know, I was, it, it was, it was super difficult to get through the heartbreak. It's probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And, I remember there would be times I'd have to steal away from, because, you know, at the Boys and Girls Club, you work with little kids and teens, and sometimes like, some, the pain would come up, mm. it would rise in me, and I'd have to go, like, lock myself in the bathroom or lock myself in the closet, which is kind of like, I don't think I've really shared this with too many people, but I would lock myself and I would cry a little mm. bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, I would cry, get myself together, and then come back out and get, get to my job. And then sometimes I would wait, I would watch the clock, because I'm like, yo, I don't know how much more I can... I can hold, you know, how, like my emotions inside of me in front of these kids or these teens. Yeah. So, um, so I would watch the clock, and as soon as the clock hit, I run, clock out, get, in, get into my car, and drive back to, you know, from Redwood City to San Jose, from where I, to where I was living, and I would cry the whole damn mm. way back, mm. man. I'm telling you, like, crying, like sobbing, like grown man sobbing. Like I I'd love have, that, dude. Like I'd have to like put my hand over me, like, because I didn't want other people sure. on the freeway to be like, man, I think I was going on with this dude, guy, man. I'm telling you this. <laughs> if, you, if you look around while you're at a stoplight, I see so many people crying in their car. There's serious? something about, yeah, just take a look. You will start to see, I cry in my car, you cry in your car, why not? It's a place where you're quiet, you're alone, you have this space where you feel safe to do it. Maybe there's music playing. A lot of people cry in their car. Listeners, do you cry in your car? I'm, I'm curious. But that's when we, we met. I met you around this space in your life because you had just got the job. You were maybe there a year at the time I met you, or I don't remember. If, if that, if that. Okay. But but real quick, man, that's fascinating about what you said about people in the car. Because uh -huh. you're right. Because for many of us, that's the only quiet time mm -hmm. we have if we're in the car by ourselves. Yep. Because everything else is so busy out here in yep. Silicon Valley. And yep. everyone's an entrepreneur. And everyone's a sidepreneur. And everyone's got two, three hustles. And everyone's doing this. And everyone's doing that. And everyone's connected. Yep. On, you know. Yep. When you're driving in the car, that's the only maybe reflection time for a lot yep. of people. And sure. I, so I could see why you would cry. But for me, it was, yeah, so it was very difficult. Yeah, yeah. So, and then that's when I met you, man. And then, But I will tell you, when you're like that raw, 
when you're that vulnerable, you're open. You're you're kind of sensitive. Like I would mm-hmm. say, all your senses mm-hmm. are heightened, super heightened, as far yeah. as like spirituality or yep. anything. You know. Yep. So the way I would pray, back to your question, is prayer was constant. It was in my dreams. It was uh, praying on the side. It was conversations I have in my head while I'm trying to get through the day. It was all that. Man. That's cool. I like that because part of the reason I want to do this podcast is just to talk about. How do we make sense of life? How do we make sense of who we are and why we're here? And for me, a lot of that is understanding God and, and prayer. And you know, for many of the listeners and myself included, prayer is elusive. God is elusive. It's sometimes we categorize our spirituality to a place, um, usually you know, a temple or a church building or something that is not the everyday. But what I hear you saying mm-hmm. is. You were so raw and so real. It didn't matter. It could be the bathroom. You'd even lock yourself in a closet. You'd be in your car. Be walking, mm-hmm. talking. You're just ongoing having this dialogue, and yeah. that's kind of what I think we're meant to have. We're meant to have this connection, yeah. this yeah. holy, unique, strange, sacred connection in every minute of our life, whether we're doing dishes or we're trying to forgive the person who broke our heart. Yeah. No, absolutely, I agree. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> so when we met, dude, uh, it was awesome. I was volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club, teaching acting stuff. It was super fun. And I remember, you know, I forget how we started to have the connection. Maybe you pulled me aside one day because maybe you you wanted to, you noticed I was a Christian. I don't know how we even started talking about God in some way, but that was the beginning of us having this really cool connection that's been about a decade now. Yeah, you were, you were there with, uh, it was you and one other person mm-hmm. that you were working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget her name. Yeah, she had the, the crazy socks. Right, yeah, 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 the crazy sock lady. <laughs> I think she told us to, to call her that, too. <laughs> um, and then you must have said something in like one of the improv games or something that you were leading where you you mentioned something, either church or pastor, or you mentioned a Bible verse or something. You mentioned something. And at that time, I remember to me, it was like a, a lifeline for me because mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I don't know too many Christians out here. And I, you know, because I was brand new to Redwood City and I was like, I'm not really connected like from my home church in Stockton where I know people. So I was like, man, maybe I could ask him some stuff then, you know what I mean? So I remember I was waiting like the following week and I was like, I'm, I'm going to wait for the right time and I ask him if he's a Christian. And then, yeah, I said, hey, you a Christian? Like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, hey. yeah. I almost felt like in Stockton, like, hey, hey, you got some, you got some weed? You, got, you, got you know what I'm saying? Just seemed like a shade. I approached you with the shady deal. You know and, I, and I looked around, I was like, yeah, man, want to yeah. pray? Yeah, 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 yeah. What you need? You want to talk? Hey, you need some Bible verses? What's going on? But I have to say, dude, it's been awesome knowing you, and I love that time. That was a special time for me. It also connected with Ivan, and I felt, you know, interestingly enough, you know, part of my journey of understanding my calling in life and who and why I'm here in the world is around the arts and around creativity and creating content. And while I was there, definitely to connect with the students and the kids and the youth of the Boys and Girls Club in which you guys were doing great work with music production and there was dance and there was acting and there was so much creative stuff happening there because the Black Eyed Peas had funded that whole space and given you guys that amazing Mm -hmm. technology you were using. And so I felt felt this awesome honor to partner and go, oh, I'm going to, you know, bless these kids' lives. But the cool thing, and I think there was some blessings of kids' lives happening from my involvement, but what really 
was this lasting connection with, with you and Ivan mm-hmm. and bonding us together in this cool brotherhood to like, you know, this year we were in this awesome group together and we've walked through tons of things, you know, both <laughs> hard and, and fun yeah. and, you know, tearing and frustration and conflict and um, relationships after relationships oh, and processing, yeah, yeah. you know, all that stuff has just been... We've been through, we've been through it, man. Yeah. We've been through the trenches a little yeah. bit. Yeah. We've done a little bit of life together. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, you you say something that uh, that stuck out to me right now when we were talking about prayer, mm-hmm. because you're taking me back to the time at the Boys and Girls Club, which the Boys and Girls Club is meant to help youth, right? Uh-huh. Uh, like little little kids and teenagers. But what I love about that is that if you work there or if you're even part of it, like you catch some of that too, and it completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know, motivated me at the time. It was like a nurturing space for me. Now that I look back at it. And then I would pray there in the back, in the mm-hmm. back park or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but you said something about praying, and you're like, you know, it's, it's supposed to be meant like, you know, you don't prayer isn't just at, at your bed at night. It could be anywhere, you know, on your commute, uh, on your run, on your exercise, or whatever. It is. If when you're having fun, mm-hmm. you could be praying like, man, this is cool, God. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for this cool, you know, this yeah. cool little hike that you got me on right yeah. here. Thank you for. This little vacation you gave me, yada yada, mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> anyway, but that reminds me of you actually, because I know you've made a decision recently uh-huh. to go pursue some dreams. Yeah. Yep. So just like prayer, people think that prayer is supposed to be done either early in the morning by your bed or in your closet at night uh-huh. or whatnot. Prayer is supposed to be everywhere. Yep. First of all. Yeah. Second of all, that's what toilet. I say about it. on the toilet. Yeah. In the yeah, shower. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> I do a lot of praying in the, in the jail shower. cell. Yeah, well, that's why I did most of my praying. Yeah, I did most of my praying right there. Yeah, um, but <laughs> the reason I say about like how prayer is supposed to be done any- everywhere, that I believe that what whatever your ministry is that you're called for is supposed yeah. to be done everywhere too. For sure, it's not just supposed to be in the in the church. Yes. So you, yes. your talents, your abilities, the things that you're great at. When you said that you're going to uh, step down from your position uh, from your role at the church to go do. To, to pursue these things, I said, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, love, I love what I you said, said though. Yeah. You said three words, though. You said, it's about time. That was what you said when was I that told my first you. Reaction? That, those were your first three words, dude. <laughs> and I needed that. I needed that because for me, by the way, when God, when I felt God gave me the permission, which I still wrestle with that wording, but people use that a, a lot in, in the way they describe God. And I always wrestled with that. What do you mean God gave you permission? But I really felt like I didn't, I was waiting for God to say, okay, go, you know? Um, But when I felt that release, I prayed, I I cried in my car. (laughs) I was in my car and just cried because I felt like, yes, I'm so done. I'm so ready. And at the same time, having these conversations with people, some people get concerned. They look at me and they go, are you okay? Yeah. Are, are you are you mad at the church? Yeah. Are you are you is your faith are you you know ditching your faith or what's mm. going on? And I'm going no, I feel as if I'm growing in yes. love and understanding and evolving and mm-hmm. expanding. I'm so excited. So I needed when you said it's about time that felt so good. Oh yeah, I, I totally appreciated oh, yeah. that. Big time. I'm gonna, I would have a few more things to say about that, but real quick, this crying in the car stuff that'd be a good <laughs> title for this podcast. Crying in because I got another I got another incident when I'm crying in the car. Well, maybe that'll be a, an ongoing question. Have you ever cried in your car? Maybe I'll make that an ongoing question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for this podcast. I like that. So uh, remind me because yeah. I have one more time that I yeah. cried in the car uh, more recently than yeah. the others. Because that's what the podcast is about: is how do we connect with God in the strangeness of life? You yeah. know. Knowing that it's also sacred. Life is sacred and life is strange. Mm-hmm. Which going back to what you were saying, you were talking about every 
calling on our life, whether we're a barista or a media maker or mm. a preacher or a mm. teacher or a um, science uh, or NASA astronaut, whatever, these are things that I believe the creator of the universe puts within us, right. and the, they are high callings. Yeah. But the unfortunate part is we sometimes minimize callings if they don't, they're not attached to a quote-unquote church or what we deem as being sacred. If, you yeah. don't, if you're not a person of the cloth or something, we think that's higher. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been learning over these 20 years is, no, my calling is just as holy as anybody else's, and your calling is just as holy as anybody yep. else's. Yep. So I agree with that. Going back to your time at the Boys and Girls Club, your life radically changed. You thought you were going to be a correctional officer. You can't do that. The door is shut. You get a part-time job. Then becomes a full-time job. You're barely making ends meet. But it lands you into this trajectory that you never expected to go back to school and pursue your education further. So talk mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, when you're sitting in the, uh, you know, at the Boys and Girls Club, the whole thing is about pursuing your dreams, uh, going to school, getting educated, this, this, and that. That's what, we're That's what they're asking us to teach the uh -huh. kids. I just happened to do it as the director of a media academy where I taught them how to tell their stories in digital platforms and formats, such as video, audio, uh, expressive, in acting, mm -hmm. uh, singing, dancing, whatever it is that they wanted to do. Well, when you preach that all day long, mm -hmm. that you're going to catch some of that too. Mm -hmm. So I caught that bug too when That's I was good. like, you know, well, maybe, yeah, maybe I should try to do something else other than just being the director of this academy. Maybe yep. I could go get another degree or maybe I could go do something. While I was there, I actually got my criminal record expunged. I went back and I did it because I, you know, I was doing good work in the community now and I got it expunged and that was cool. So I, I freed myself up a little bit. But actually, I just passed that over. But you know what? When I went to get that criminal record expunged, I had to go back to Selena's. And I remember I had to wake up at 4 in the morning because I had to be there at 7 a.m. And my good friend Ivan spent the night with me the night before so he could come with me. Hmm. So just for moral support. And uh, when when they expunged that off my record, that felt better than the day that I graduated from San Jose State University. Uh, freedom. When I, when I graduated from San Jose State University, I knew I couldn't do nothing with that. Mm. But when I got this expunged, that was my real graduation. Cool. And I cried on the way back home, too. In that with car. Ivan? With Ivan. <laughs> I'm going to ask him about that. That's I don't good. know. If, I've never talked to him about if he remembers me like sobbing a little that's bit. Great. But that's not that's not the crying in the car incident I'm talking about. I've, this is strange. I've never connected these dots that, that I've cried in Holy the car. Holy cannoli right here, yeah. baby. I've dots never, connected. I've never connected the dots that there's like, this is a running theme, crying in the car <laughs> in my life. You know what I'm saying I could I could probably think of a few other ones. You know what I mean? Like that will happen. Probably yeah. like you know when I'm when I'm coming back from the hospital w with the newborn, I'll probably uh, cry. You know what I'm <laughs> or going on the way to the hospital for a newborn, <laughs> be crying and stuff like that. Anyway, anyway, we digress. <laughs> so when I was in the, when I was doing the uh, media academy, um, I was I learned how to video edit. So that's the so cool part about God. You know, like all these doors were shut on me. When I couldn't do anything, I took this job at Redwood City Boys and Girls Club. I learned a new skill that I didn't even know was inside of me. I was already 23, 24 at the time there, and I had, with a college degree, and I'm learning a brand new skill that I never knew I had. You know, Had I known that I, that, I, that I knew how to video edit and I was good at media, I could have been studying that my whole life mm -hmm. as a little kid. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that it's not really that I'm a, a media guy or a video guy. I'm just a storyteller, man. Mm -hmm. So if you give me, where, however you want me to tell the story, I'm going to tell it, you know, with video, with rap lyrics, poetry, a podcast, I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> um, 
one of my coworkers one day asked for some help for his vid, uh, for his project uh, in school. And I was like, cool, man, come on over. He's like, uh, you know, it'll take us five minutes. So I'm like, why? He's like, well, I just got to put a five-minute video together. It should just be five minutes. You know anything about video editing? Five-minute video <laughs> yeah, going to take two, three, right. two, three hours. It could take you week, months, months, depending just on what five, the content is. I love when people is. say yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, just five minutes. Just whip me up a video yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so I was like, hey, you know what? But I'm always a believer of sharing your talents and to help others, much like you, which I was just talking about when I said, when you say you're going to leave the church, or you're not leaving the church, you're just... Stepping down from yep. your role, yep. man. You got these talents. You got these talents and stories that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says, "Let your light shine, man." And in my opinion, I think your light. I think he's referencing your talents, your Ooh, message, for your sure, story. for sure. What good is your light if you're just going to contain it in a, in a building? That's right. This right? little light of mine, yeah. I'm going to let it yeah. shine in you Hollywood. Gotta get, you got to get on. it out there, Come on. man. Yeah, that's a bigger platform, yeah. man. Yeah. You, you could own the hearts and the ears. Of, of the world, man, mm-hmm. like Black Panther, you know? Mm-hmm. Imagine if they sprinkled some Christian, uh, Christ- there is some Christian for stuff sure, in there. For sure. But like, imagine if you were behind that, whoo. Anyway. <laughs> Marvel, are you listening? Yeah. Marvel? Yeah. Anyway, um, so this guy asked me to edit this five minute video and I say yes. I edit this, uh, while we're editing, you know, if you've ever been in a video editing session, it could take hours, like I said. So I really got to sit down and talk to him, see what's going on. Um, By the way, I heard someone say, depending on the video, about 10 hours per minute. Yeah. Right? I believe it. So if you have a five-minute video, 50 hours of your life right yeah, there. Yeah, but no, we were just, yeah. we, were, we were going on, you know, hyper speed because mm-hmm. I'm trying to go home. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but it wasn't really that bad. It wasn't that big of a project. It was just, uh, he was doing a research project and he had to splice interviews together and weave them together. I was like, I got you. Anyway, <clears throat> as we're sitting down editing this video together, I get to ask him about his story. I'm asking him about his story, and I get to know. So I say, hey, man, uh, what's this footage for? He's like, oh, this is for my, for my, my class. I'm like, what class? He's like, well, for my graduate program. I'm like, graduate program? What's that? He's like, you know, like you get a master's degree? <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, yeah, yeah, master's degree, okay. I was like, wow, I don't know too many people that are getting a master's degree, man. That's really cool. I'm like, where do you go to school? He's like, Stanford. I'm like, Stanford? The Stanford University <laughs> with the S and the tree, the logo. That one? He's like, he's like, no, I said Stan Turd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Stanford <laughs> University, the big, you know, the main. He's like, yeah. I'm like, what? Like, you? You could yeah, get in. What's yeah, the- no. I was just like, no. Nah, I mean, it was surprising no, to you he, in some He looks way. like a hip-hop dude, young dude, probably like two years older than me. Uh-huh. So I was like, wow. I had never met anybody from Stanford. I, I thought that you had to be like uh, royalty from another nation mm-hmm. or had to be related to a politician or just have a lot of money. Or rich, get, yeah. Yeah, to get into Stanford. And then I said, wow, man, that's, that's truly, uh, I'm impressed, man. I said, wait, where is Stanford? I'm like, how are you going to Stanford and you're, you're right here with me right now? Uh-huh. He's like, Stanford's 10 minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes down the street on El Camino. I said, what? <laughs> now, I'm a, I was born and raised in California. Yeah, but it was totally off your radar. So how would totally you know? Totally off. Man, I thought Stanford yeah. was next to Harvard on the East Coast yeah. or something. Because psychologically, that's, that's how impossible a school like yeah, that Yeah, you going. removed yourself from yeah. that camp. So here's the second point. Remember I said the one point was when my life changed when uh, I got arrested. Uh-huh. The second point that I can identify is when this guy, Sean Mendy, he told me something that changed everything. Has, any, has anyone ever told you something? And the moment that they say it, in your mind you say, I wish you didn't tell me that because I'm not going to be able to get it out of my mind mm-hmm. now. Well, that's mm-hmm. what he did for me. He planted a seed in my mind. 
he says, you know what, man? There's actually a program called Learning, Design, and Technology at Stanford in the School of Education, and it's a master's program. He says, I think you'd be great at that. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, what they do is they fuse media and education together and study how they learn. He's like, exactly what you're doing right here. He's like, you should apply. And I said, you think they'd let me in? And he says, hell yeah, man. <laughs> and I believed him, you know That's what I'm saying? Great, <laughs> I believed him. So the rest is history. That, yeah, as soon as I said that, man, I just committed a year to studying for the GRE, doing the application. I remember that, dude. I remember getting, you. Yeah, yeah, getting my uh, letters of recommendation, all that, man. I did all that. And then one day, about a year later, man, I come back and I'm in the studio. They're making rap beats and everything right there at the Boys and Girls Club. I'm there with the students. I open up my email to just check something else. And I remember, I still remember, I opened up the email. And it says, you know how you can see like the subject, like who it's from. And then you can see a little. Preview. And you can see a preview of the lines, yeah. right? So I looked at the inbox and it says, uh, it says Stanford, Stanford University School of Education, who it's from. On the side, I just see congratulations, right? And we had specific rules in the in the studio, like you couldn't curse, you couldn't wear your hat, uh, hats in there, nothing. And when I saw, it, I said, "Oh shh," right? <laughs> and like you just hear like the DJ scratch. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> looks at you. Everybody looks. And then I just felt like crying and throwing up at the same time and laughing. I didn't know which one to do, oh, right? Dude, and they're like, "What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them?" Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, I'm in the corner with my hands in my face because I don't know what, you know, like, everything's just changing. So you just went to your car and cried? No, no, no. No, that's later. (laughs) (laughs) So then I'm in the corner, like, oh, my God. And then the students are like, what's going on? What's going on? And then somebody looks at the, somebody looks at the screen and they're, and then they say, oh, (laughs) (laughs) shit. They're like, this guy just got into Stanford. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, man. How cool for them to share in that moment with you. Oh, man. We all erupted. It was so cool, cool. man. And then, like, man, I was riding high, man. Like, everything just changed. Everything changed so fast. Immediately, from one moment to the next, everything changed. Mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. The the criminal record, the letting my letting my parents down, the, the breakup, the breakup, yeah. the heartaches, the pursuing pursuing a dream that I'm not even sure of, trying to learn uh, media and education, trying to learn video video editing, working at a nonprofit. Like, is this the right move? Is this the right move? Is this the right move? Never knowing what the right move is, boom, everything, all the mess ups, all the letdowns, all the shame that I felt, everything, man. It just, man, it felt like I was just cleansed from that mm. when when I got that letter and you better believe that that email, I mean, and you better believe that I saw that as a clear, clear sign and gift from God hmm. immediately. When I got in the car, man, and I'm driving home <laughs> this time. All right. Now I'm driving home. I am bumping music on the freeway going like 80 miles, 80 to hundred miles an hour, bumping music, windows down at night, crying, crying my butt off <laughs> and laughing and woo and all that and then crying again it was just going crying laughing crying like on the way back home man it's like hysterical ah uh, it was incredible man. so yeah i was crying in the car during that time too awesome, and then that changed everything it changed everything i got to stanford university man it changed everything i'm still 
this was in 2011 that I was at, uh, admitted, and it's 2018, and I'm still heavily involved with Stanford University mm -hmm. on many levels. And now you are a lecturer. Exactly. So, so you're turning lecturer out of yeah, 10. So you're making it engaging yeah, and so creative. Let me, let me tell you what lecturer actually means. So basically, we, we teach courses. We teach freshmen all the way through PhD level uh, students. So every range from around the world, and you know, international students, people who are he from here as well, and uh, every age too, mm -hmm. man. Like they're everywhere, you know, 18 and up. Because uh, masters and PhD students can go off, you know, there's no age limit on any of that. So we get to teach all these people. It's just so incredible. The reason we call ourselves lecturers is because in an academic or university setting, there's a clear mm -hmm. distinction sure. between a lecturer and a professor. Okay. So sometimes students call me professor and uh, I, I check them. I say, hey, I'm not a professor. Uh, I'm a lecturer. Gotcha. Because in the world of academia, you are not a professor unless you have a PhD. Gotcha. Right? And if you don't have a PhD, you're a lecturer. You want to get your PhD? I mean, I'm not going to rule it out because I didn't want to get my master's degree yeah, and yeah. I got it. You know? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, the, if it if it turns out, but nah, I don't really want to. Yeah. I, mean, I, I really don't want to. I think what you're doing right now, you don't need it, right? You know, nice. the interaction and the media you're making. And you connected me with some people who came and lectured to the team that I was overseeing mm -hmm. with the church. Um, by the way, less listeners should check out Design Thinking. Just Google it. That's what Gabe was doing. Yeah. And uh, his uh, colleagues came and I had them do like four or five sessions. It was so encouraging for me. I still, to this day use an improv game that they gave called I am a tree. One of my favorite <laughs> things to do with my kids. They love it. Really? It's like this improv game where someone starts like, like I am a tree and they form their body in the shape of a tree. And then people add to it. I'm a bird on that tree. I am a squirrel eating a nut from the tree. I am the <laughs> nut on the tree. I am this. And then someone says freeze and they pick one person to stay. Like maybe it's the tree. And then they start a whole new uh, image. Um, I am a flag on the pole, and that person who was the tree now is the flagpole. It's super interesting. Gets people <laughs> engaging in their yeah. mind and imagination. I love it. Yeah, yeah. We're a little wacky, but yeah, we that's what we taught, design thinking. And specifically, the class that we taught was called Designing Your Life. Mm -hmm. So how do you use design thinking to uh, uh, strategically and intentionally design the next five years of your academic life, your personal life, your uh, professional career, or whatnot? And there's actually a book out right now called De uh, Designing Your Life on Amazon. It's, it's a, it's a bit, uh, bestseller. Man. Is it by somebody who was in the program? It's by my two uh, uh, supervisors, Dave Evans and Bill Burnett. And fun fact, uh, you look up in the acknowledgement section, I'm in it. Boom! Yeah. yeah. Uh, Designing your life. Hey, but I will say, I don't get any royalties on the books. So don't feel obligated <laughs> to buy that thing. <laughs> okay, so hey, we're going to wrap up. I think you need to be on the podcast again. By the way, we have many more things to talk about, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you want to talk to Gabe about anything more, um, let me know. You can always tweet me at Tony Gapastone. How can people find you, Gabe, by the way? Oh, best way to find me is on inst Instagram. Okay. That's probably my number one uh, social media app that I What's love. your handle? The handle is at Gabriel, G-A-B-R-I-E-L, underscore L, underscore J-R. Okay. A uh, couple quick last um, speed round questions. If you're watching or binging anything right now, what is it and how is it impacting you? Yeah, so one of my favorite uh, shows right now is Vikings. Ooh, my wife likes Vikings. Yeah, so um, I'm not all the way caught up uh, this season, but I do uh, I do watch it regularly. And I just, I, I just love it because I'm a fan of Game of Thrones. I'm me a too. fan of like one of my favorite movies are like Gladiator mm -hmm. and 300. And Vikings reminds me a lot about it. And I like these shows that 
have some educational component mm-hmm. and they challenge you to fact check them often. Mm-hmm. So I do that. I'm, I'm the kind of guy where I'm watching something. And you get I, your computer next to you? Oh, I'll Google it on my phone right then and there. That's how I learned a lot of my words. Did, for instance, did you know that call, uh, Colonel, you know when you call somebody Colonel? That Colonel Sanders KFC? Yeah. Do you know how you spell Colonel? C-O-L-O-N-E-L? Yeah. yeah. How does that make any sense? I know, right? My whole life I've been calling it Colonel when I read it out loud. <laughs> Colonel. Colonel Sanders, I'll take a drumstick, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. And here's another one. How about when people are saying like, hey, you know, he was, it was at point blank range, point blank. And I'm like, I, I question that. Why is that? What does point blank even mean? Mm-hmm. I looked it up. French. Pointe Blanca. Pointe Blanca. Oh. Means like, uh, you know, you're, you're aiming at the white spot. What white oh. spot? The targets. The middle used to have a white spot. Interesting. So if you're at point blank range, it's like you you're guaranteed to hit the target every time. Stand for graduate, everybody, right here. Yeah, one of the mindsets of design thinking is uh, uh, curiosity. I love a beginner's it. mindset, question everything. So Ooh. that's what I do. I love that word curiosity too. Yeah. So back to Vikings, I'm, I'm a believer that every media that we can consume can find a sacred element in it. God oh, yeah. is in every story. I always tell my kids. Fingerprints. We call that Jesus fingerprints. I love it. Yeah. I tell my kids every story is a God story. Mm-hmm. How are you embracing the sacredness of God in Vikings or in some way? Sure. So it's actually, uh, that concept is pretty prominent in that series where you have uh, the Vikings. Uh, one of the main characters in, in the Vikings' name is... Uh, Ragnar, Ragnar Lothbrok, you know what I'm saying? And he's, they, they worship the Nordic gods, uh, Thor and, and all that mm-hmm. and whatnot. And they're being introduced to Christianity or like the monks, uh, the Catholicism. And he's fascinated by, you know, it's fascinating to look at the Christian religion through the uh, perspective of an outsider who's never heard of Christianity. And they're like, why did they worship someone who died? But then rose mm. again. Why mm. do they? Why do they drink? Uh, you know his blood. Why? Why do they? Why are they eating his body? What? Who is this? Why do they hang their their uh, god on a on, on a crucifixion? Why do they worship that? Why do you know? So it's strange to mm. see that, but it's fascinating mm. at the same time, and it makes you question like your own faith too. Like, love hey, it. yeah, you know. So it's uh, super intriguing in that way, and I love to see that, especially in that. And another one that I watch is Crusaders. No, Nightfall. It's about the Crusaders. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. Ooh, it's just like Vikings. They play it after Vikings, as a matter of fact. So, Cool. I love it. See, life is sacred. Life is strange. No matter what you're watching, you can find these elements oh, yeah. everywhere. All right, last thing um, for today or this week, not that I like to put people in categories, but this podcast is about embracing who we are and why we're here. If you were to say that in one or two words, who are you yeah. and why are you here? Uh, I'm just... A servant trying to empower others. I love it. All right, Gabe Lamelli. Find him on Instagram. He will definitely be on Holy Cannoli again sometime. <laughs> I love cannolis, by the way. Yeah, baby. Do you want any more? Before you yeah, leave? I actually know a guy. His nickname is Cannoli. I was thinking maybe I should be calling myself Tony Cannoli. Oh, dude. Have... <laughs> Wait, mandatory. Wait, hold up. Mandatory. <laughs> Dude, no. Actually, you need a separate separate profile <laughs> account right. for everything. Tony Cannoli. From Tony Cannoli. Hey, it's Tony Cannoli. All right, hey, thanks for being on the podcast. Hang Embrace on. the strange, everybody. Wait, I got some I got some homework what? for you, matter of fact. What? All right. I'm I'm gonna I'll put money that there's a guy named Tony Cannoli somewhere already. I'm sure. A bunch of them. I'm I sure. I want you to find the top five most interesting <laughs> Tony Cannolis and see how you stack up with those guys. And if you're more interesting, sure. if you're more interesting than than some of those guys, then I'll say you take it. You could, 
You take the, I take the name. Take the name. TonyCanoli.com. Yep. There's actually a place in San Jose called Holy Cannoli that I was trying to get in contact with because maybe they could be the sponsor. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. You can post questions or suggest topics for the podcast on our Holy Cannoli Facebook page or use the hashtag Holy Cannoli Podcast on Twitter and we might read your question or suggestion on air.